and welcome to the latest episode of the FT Advisor in Focus podcast, where we will be discussing green home improvements and whether they are worth investing in. From home insulation, new windows and heat pumps, to solar panels on the roof, green home improvements can save money on energy bills in a short and long run, but they are often expensive to install. Are these investments nevertheless worth it? With me here to discuss this today are Daryl Duffer, Mortgage Advisor at the Mortgage Expert, Justin Moy, Mortgage Advisor at SX Home Finance, Property Development Consultant Joe Garner, and Andreas Torsheim, CEO and Founder of European Solar Marketplace, Otovo. Welcome all. Thanks for being here Morning. today. Morning. Morning. Um, Joe, before we look at the pros and cons of adapting a home, um, can you talk us through some of the most common and effective options kind of available um, to green up your home and what are their approximate costs? Of course. Um, so in terms of uh, the most common, I would say that double glazing, new double glazing is still the most common. Um, you'd be looking at a cost of maybe 500 to 750 pounds a window, um, which would be a decent double glazed UPVC um, window. So so for the everyday uh, home, the average person, the benefits not only are for um, green energy and energy saving, but obviously in terms of um, airflow into a building and, you know, dealing with mould and things like that, there's a bit of a two-pronged attack from the, from the double glazing. So um, following on from that, um, boiler upgrades are quite popular. Um, however, there is still some issues with how the, uh, the boiler upgrades work with energy rating and that sort of thing. Um, and then solar panels, obviously, and um, we have an expert here to talk through solar panels, but um, solar panels have come a huge, uh, a huge way um, from when they were first installed. You know, you have some fantastic products now, um, such as solar roof tiles. Um, there's a company called Marley who produce a lot of roof tiles. They have a solar roof tile. So I, I would say uh, in terms of uh, energy upgrades and, and, and green additions to the average home, um, the, the double glazed windows and uh, solar panels are the most common. Mm -hmm. Okay. Andreas, um, you are the expert on solar options. Um, how does, what are the options there and how does generating solar energy actually work in the UK? Is it a case of, you know, you put those panels on your roof and, and off you go, you can, you can use your own electricity or how does it work? Yes, it's really as simple as you uh, as you made it out. The solar panels go on the roof. Uh, there's a wire that goes down uh, through um, a smart part that's called the inverter. Uh, and then the power flows from there into your electrical cabinet. And uh, energy energy you make yourself, that's just deducted from your energy bill. That's, um, that's electricity you don't have to buy from the, uh, from the overall grid. And um, if you haven't uh, updated your view on solar in the last five or 10 years, you should really check it out because these panels have become very, very performant. I got my first solar panel seven years ago and I uh, got another set now as I moved houses and they're twice as powerful and they're about a third of the price. So um, these technologies work and they work even up here in the north of Scandinavia where I live. Uh, and obviously they work on the British Isles and, and everywhere else. So um, this is the technology that's been getting better. And uh, if, you, uh, if you didn't get solar panels last year, um, you probably made the right choice because this year has been an exceptional price drop in solar uh, panels, and people are getting solar panels this autumn are looking quite uh, are looking quite smart. So, um, fantastic development uh, there, and I think that's one of the most exciting things about this energy transition is that um, 
it's uh, it's one of the devices that go into our home that's really getting better and cheaper every day and i think it's encouraging in thinking that you know um, uh, 10 years from now we'll probably all have heat pumps solar panels batteries and electric vehicles um we won't get them all at once uh, but but the technology is coming to our encounter and it's getting it's getting better for us so that's good mm-hmm. um just to clarify though um the solar panels that most people commonly install are not used for heat generation they're just um, electricity right yes they make electricity and that's the same panel that goes into a solar field in egypt or on a barn in the midwest of the us uh, so everyone's kind of using the same panel technology it's uh, and it's the it's the panels that make electricity that are really dropping in price um so that's that's um, that's the technology that's been gaining um traction over over the last few years and solar power on homes last uh, year would be um you know this uh, that's been installed on on rooftops in Europe the last year would be equivalent to several nuclear reactors so uh um homeowners across Europe are are uh, building out an inf- infrastructure that uh, is uh, is clawing its way into electricity markets and mm-hmm. helping lowering bills for both those who get them and and the neighbors next door who have more en- energy from the traditional sources for themselves and that way helps lower demand and lower prices for everyone mm-hmm. And what, what what is the typical price in the UK of um, installing enough of those panels to be able to um, generate the electricity needed by a typical household? Well, the, the good thing is you can size it a bit as you want. Uh, you can put uh, you know, six panels up on your roof. That's uh, that's a small system and and could fit on a garage or um, or, or a small roof. Or you could just size it up to fill a whole. A whole barn or a or a whole field, right? So it really depends on the size. The system start maybe at about four uh, thousand uh, pounds, and uh, you can can size it up from there. And uh, usually, people um, take enough panels to uh, to cover about forty uh, to to seventy percent of their energy needs in the home. Okay, okay. Well, let's talk to the advisors who I know are a little bit more skeptical about the costs uh, versus benefits of these um, upgrades. Daryl, under what circumstances um, might the benefits of what we just heard outweigh the cost? I think it's certainly on the type of, you know, the individual, the house in question. Um, I think it's important very much, though. I think if we are looking to get to any type of net zero um, arena for all of us, then we need to think, very carefully about you know our energy consumption um making things greener is is definitely something that I, i feel strongly about but i think there are some barriers certainly from my perspective when it comes to lenders and and how they perceive the sort of green agenda um um you know there's most lenders are certainly embracing um you know having some level of sort of you know um, changes to properties and obviously greener mortgages are available but at the same time you know there, there are issues surrounding for example like solar panels um most lenders prefer them to be owned by the reoccupier as opposed to be leased i think some of the earlier edition sort of solar panels there were many companies out there that were offering them as a lease now lots of lenders out there don't like that at all because obviously it's all about ownership And for these guys, it's about resale of a property. So who's looking after these, you know, these panels, for example? So 
it's kind of a you know i've rambled on a little bit but certainly i think it's very important i think you know we all need to play our part certainly us as advisors you know we are advising clients you know to, to make any upgrades that they can but i think largely it boils down to cost and i think that's really the key issue here for mm -hmm. consumers out there is you know how they go about it how do they fund it what funding is available and it, it seems to be not uniform across the whole country unfortunately mm -hmm. okay yeah so i was i was getting ready to comment on the cost side because um uh, solar is a resource uh, it's a it's a natural resource and Fortunately, it's not fairly distributed. Uh, so obviously, if you live in the south, your panels will create more uh, power for your home than if you li live in, in the north. If you live down at the bottom of a valley where the sun doesn't shine as much as on, on a nice uh, you know, coastal town, then you're a bit in an unfortunate situation that at the end of the day, the panel costs the same. Uh, but the, the solar output is going to be, be different. So the sunnier the place in general, uh, uh, the more affordable the solar power. Um, and in general, also the more populous your region, the, uh, the cheaper because the workmen can get the more, you know, uh, good density of work. They can, they can be more efficient. So um, we, see, we see these differences across Europe. We also see them translate in, into the different geographies in, in, uh, in England. So uh, if, you have, if you're in a sparsely populated Northern uh, county then then it's of course more difficult than if you're in a in in a busy uh southern town mm -hmm. so okay well justin what do you i mean what do you hear from your clients do you do you do are a lot of people in, interested in 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 green home improvements i think the interest is there definitely and as, and as daryl said i think when you talk to to any any of our customers it is a primary um consideration i think this is almost just a, a, bit, a little bit of bad timing given the way that certainly the mortgage market's moved in the last 12, 18 months. You know, we don't need to to go on about interest rates doubling, trebling. And I think that there are two things. One, it's what people want, but can they afford it? And even if there is a government grant or um, some, some form of finance from lenders to actually pay for these things, the reality is um, it's a priority. And is it a priority at the moment? Or is it something that we can put off for a couple of years whilst interest rates are high, whilst people are actually still trying to kind of work out whether they can still actually just keep the house that they've got at the moment, however inefficient it may be from an energy perspective? I think it's one of those things that I think certainly for the majority of my clients, they probably will kind of kick it down the road for, um, for, for perhaps two or three years' time when interest rates are perhaps a bit cheaper. It means that these things can become a little bit more affordable. But I think it would be wrong for most families, certainly, that's certainly my, my, my type of client who would say, look, you know, if if an upgrade to a property to make it greener is going to cost me uh, know, three, four thousand pounds on top of a grant, is that three, four thousand pounds actually better off just just covering that extra cost of my mortgage for the minute, knowing that perhaps in two or three years time, I could I could get to that. You know, I, could, I will probably need a new boiler in three or four years time. So is that the time I need to do it rather than trying to do it quickly and early when actually the financial incentive isn't there to do it? be it either a, a, a cost per month budgeting type uh, constraint or when you look at the incentives that the lenders are putting together at the moment, the, the incentives are so, so small. You know, mm. with, you know I, I've, I've done, some, done some quick numbers here and just on a, on a typical mortgage with one of the high street lenders, the difference between a green mortgage and a normal mortgage on a £300,000 property, a couple hundred thousand pound mortgage is about £110 a year. Mm. So an incentive of 
just over £100 a year to go and spend thousands on an upgrade to a house doesn't work in today's society, but it might do when figures are better, rates are, are cheaper. Um, and that then may be where we start to see some of that change. But in the short term, I think it's, um, for most people, it's probably going to be well outside the reach. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, I mean, does there come a point, I, I suppose, on paper, it would make more sense for people who stay in their homes for longer. But what's the kind of, you know, when does it actually, how long should you stay in your home for well, it to th- make sense? I think as a as a nation we have probably one of the highest turnovers of people wanting to move. I, I appreciate in other parts of Europe, people live in their houses for 20, 30, 40 years. It's a, it's a family thing. In the UK, the number of people that kind of move and then perhaps two or three years' time move again and, and move again and move again. All this is going to do eventually is just make properties more attractive to, to, for people to buy. In the current market, it might be the difference between you know, um, perhaps obtaining the price you want versus perhaps a, a down valuation. If your house is efficient, that looks a bit better, that feels a bit better. Mm. It's a bit like when you when you put a brand new kitchen in your, in your home. Assuming you haven't made the kitchen room larger, but you've just changed the cabinets and you've made it look good and you made it look, look impressive, it doesn't really add value to the property. It probably just stops someone discounting that price a little bit more. If it's, if it's what they're looking for and it's good and it's, it's an attractive kitchen, the uh, number of people who say, oh, I've spent £20,000 on a kitchen, I think my house has gone up by £20,000. Well, probably no, it hasn't, but it could be that you've actually tactically got, got a better price against someone else who hasn't done their kitchen. And I think we're falling into this as as the work gets done, that if you've got heat pumps and you've got solar, solar panels, that'll look a bit more um, attractive over another property in the same street, which is similar, but doesn't have those facilities. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Sorry, just on that on that point, I think in this situation we're we're talking carrot and we're talking stick, and I don't think carrot works. You could you could walk down your street today, knock on every door, and ask to see their boiler. I guarantee you will find thirty year old boilers, twenty year old boilers. You'll find boilers that haven't been maintained properly, that people just get on with. They just get by with drains that are still blocked. They have to unblock them every year. You know, people have still got lead water pipes in their house. You'll be surprised how resilient people are in their own homes and how they're willing to to live. Um, so I, I don't think the carrot approach works, and it's certainly not big enough carrot at the moment to to to, to warrant investing in uh, uh, changes to your home. The other concern I have is is if we allow DIY green improvements, they won't be done very well. Unfortunately, there, you know there are some brilliant DIY people. And I'm not disrespecting anybody, but the level that you need to install to to make this work and have add value to your property needs to be done professionally. And where you will have professional solar uh, installers and that sort of thing, anything like insulation or or those sorts of changes, you know, if you don't do them properly, they they decrease the value in in, in your property. Um, so you look at then the mass house builders and um, so you've got the large guys who you'll see in the news all the time talking about share prices when things change and then you'll have the SME house builders. Now, anything that goes into building regulations has to be done. So, for example, post-Grenfell, horrendous event that happened with Grenfell, try and take some sort of silver linings positives there's been big changes to how we deal with fire within buildings so there's been added fire suppression like sprinklers there's now double staircases for certain buildings over certain heights we need that kind of approach 
So, but what you can't do is put that all on the house builders without any incentives, because at the moment, house builders, if the price of construction goes up, the house builder suffers. If the cost of the land goes up, the house builder suffers. If the price of the finished units go down, house builder suffers. Um, even the money you borrow as a house builder is variable on the interest rate. So mm. to, to make a major change, I think what we need to do is, is bring these things into building regulations. Mm -hmm. Um, at the moment, um, obviously in the news, you have the, the gas boiler change that's been flip-flopped around. It's a, criminal, um, it's a criminal event that's occurred there in terms of you can't introduce a policy, let everybody prepare for it, let everybody change their working process. Landlords have literally sold properties because they don't have the funds to make those changes. And now it's changed again. Mm -hmm. So there has to be clarity on the situation. But at this point in time, if you put an electric boiler, brand new electric combi boiler into a property, you reduce the energy rating, it goes down. It mm -hmm. gets worse than having an old gas boiler. That's where we are at this point why, in time. Why with is that? The... Because the, uh, there's no guarantee of where or there's no... Uh, and I don't, I'm not an expert on this, so I will, will have to check it, but it's, it's something to do with where the power comes from to the electric boiler. There's no guarantee on the electricity and how it's produced. Mm -hmm. So whilst you've just put a brand new boiler in, you've reduced the need to have flues on the outside of buildings, you've reduced your carbon monoxide risks, you've reduced the need to have a gas-safe engineer check it every year, it's infinitely a better product, but it takes the energy rating down. So there's no, there's no clarity, there's, there's no incentive mm -hmm. to install these kind of products. Um, so I think that what we need to do is have a major change in the the fixed standards, the absolute guaranteed standards, minimum standards, and we use we need to use the stick approach. If you want to build brand new houses, you have to get them to this standard, mm -hmm. but you have to make sure that we don't punish the house builders, particularly the SME house builders, and we make sure that it's incentivised in a way that that you know that is profit driven because that's how we will make major change. Mm -hmm. And that's how you get innovation in tech and innovation in, in any other industry. You have to incentivize and encourage people. Mm -hmm. well, of course, what's currently happening seems to be almost, almost the opposite in that we had stricter regulations were meant to come in for landlords on EPC ratings. They're now delayed. Um, what, what do we actually need from the government in terms of what they offer, the incentives that you've mentioned already, but in, in terms of, for people to make home improvements, what what kind of funding mechanisms? There isn't currently, there isn't much around. There, there is there are a few schemes for the lowest earners, I believe, and there is the um, the Green Deal finance, which is a fin funding arrangement which, which seems to make sense. I think the way it works is that um, it comes out of your energy bill, so the amount you save um, from the improvements is basically the amount you would, in practice, p uh, pay back, but obviously for a longer period of time if the rates are higher. Um, what, what could the government kind of introduce? Can I just work? jump in? Yes. Um, not so much the, the introduction. I think they need to do a bit of an overhaul, really, on their, um, on their website, certainly when it comes to the EPC rating of existing properties. Um, I use mine as an example of a house. Um, it's a four-bedroom house, um, 1960s property. It's currently at a D rating, which was uh, undertaken probably about six years ago. Um, I've made no additional upgrades to the properties, existing double glazing. Uh, the boiler, I think, is about three years old. But just with the suggested, because obviously when you go onto the EPC rating, it gives you the performance grade. 
it gives you typical upgrades that could be achieved. And I thought, well, okay, so let's look at the insulation. Let's look at maybe changing the boiler, maybe uh, some additional draft proofing, some double glazing, um, introduction of obviously the heat pumps and solar panels. The average cost typified by the government website was about £21,000. And it gave me a figure, I can't think exactly what it was, but it would, on a yearly basis, it would take over 34 years to make to mm-hmm. get that money back. Mm-hmm. So I think if there's any changes that need initially need to be done, I think they need to have a bit of a, a realistic overhaul of, you know, an outdated EPC performance rating uh, system that they've got. Because mm-hmm. it is scaremongering clients out there and perhaps get some dedicated providers on there that will give some, you know, um, efficient um, costings and, and, and true analysis because I don't think it's it's where it's where it needs to be really at the moment. Okay. What do you think, uh, Justin? Well, I, I go with that, and as I said, this is this is all about incentive versus um, benefit. Everyone wants the benefit because they can see what's coming. You, do, you only got to look at the number of electric cars being purchased at the moment. You know that. Tesla's what first second every every month when it comes to cars being being sold. So I think everyone is kind of on on the electric or on the efficiency kind of bandwagon, but you can't have this situation where the government is expecting you to to, to pay out tens of thousands of pounds even with a grant to save a fraction of that every month, especially in a current situation where you know when we're talking to customers and their mortgage payments are tripling or quadrupling. And they're struggling to know where to find that money first. Now, it, it's, it's no consequence that if you look at where the green mortgages have been over the last six months, there's a lot of fanfare, perhaps even a year ago, a lot of fanfare. I mean, we, we had lenders standing on stage telling us as brokers, put green mortgage pages on your website, come into the green mortgage concept. You're going to get lots of customers asking about it. We got to go out there and talk about green and about putting financial incentives within the mortgage industry together. When I look at, dare I say it, NatWest mortgage rates this morning, and they're 0.05 cheaper for a green mortgage over an, a, a traditional product, and there's no cash back or no no incentives. Look, you know, I'm not saying NatWest are the only ones out there, but that's just typical of a high street lender. Look, a few of them have got some good ideas. Nationwide have got a 0% um, deal for upgrades that would um, positively affect your EPC, that, that type of thing. But if the mortgage lenders have gone from um, a, a huge fanfare about this 12 months ago to very quietly hiding this or tucking this away on their website and through that through us as brokers, you know, we don't even see see them come up perhaps on our sourcing. Um, it shows where the emphasis has moved away from. And I think I think that's right for the financial situation we're in. But what you can't have is a government, you know, very positively pushing a lot of cost. To, to the to the common person um but there is no incentive and in fact as you said you know 34 years to make your money back on an investment how many times will that property be sold realistically in 34 years so why would mm. i pay out twenty thousand pounds say to improve a property i might sell in three years time mm-hmm. and then i'll probably go and end up buying a property that needs the same again mm-hmm. so i'll probably have to go and spend it again and and again and again mm-hmm. i don't think our economy and the way that perhaps we as consumers um, buy and sell our properties lends itself to an easy solution that perhaps in other parts of Europe that stability and that property ownership model is much much different yeah that makes a lot of sense I think so the the electric car example is a really good idea uh, is a really good example so for 
you know, you look at, I've just uh, gone to an electric car and as soon as you go to electric car, everyone tells you it's not the fix and it's not a good idea and that sort of thing. So to me, it's a lot cheaper to run an electric car. I get, um, I get tax incentives, the benefit in kind. Um, they're no more expensive. Um, if anything, it's cheaper than the car I had before. Um, I have a charger on the front of my house um, and uh, I charge it. It costs me about £10 to charge it and I get 260 miles out of it. So I look at that and I think that was an absolute financial decision for my family that saved us money i haven't had to spend any extra money i haven't had to have any disruption to my life there we are and that is why you're seeing a massive increase in electric cars but also why you're seeing a big increase in people actually trying to invest in hydrogen to beat the electrical electric cars and step it up again because they can see that there's a market there and that 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 innovation and people spending money on electric cars is now creating businesses. If you create businesses through research and development and innovation, you are then employing people. Those people are paying tax. Then, So you have an onward positive movement. So if we took that and applied it to uh, regeneration of housing and, and green benefits and that sort of thing, there isn't anything that I could compare. You know, we're looking at 14 years, 20 years, 30 years to get your money back. Um now, there is an argument that if you, so going back to the kitchen re replacement, the kitchen replacement might not add any value to your house, but it makes living there a lot better. But again, if you're adding green incentives, the only incentive is financial, uh, other than obviously the obvious of, of, of the environment and saving the planet and that sort of thing, which I shouldn't uh, joke about. But, you know, to sharpen people's minds and to actually get people en masse doing this there has to be an obvious financial mm -hmm. uh benefit to it and you know uh putting an extension on your house or redoing your garden you will see a benefit to it if you add square footage you can calculate the increase in value um so until that point comes i can't see there being any mass uh a take up of of of, of any of these green improvements um i know there's there's some financial incentives in scotland and wales that we don't have in england mm -hmm. I don't know why that is. Um, uh, I've got the details of, of those loans that I can touch on. But uh, again, if, if, we're, if, if we're not even joined up as the United Kingdom or Great Britain, then, you know, and, and we're on this podcast and, 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 you know, we would have prepared and everybody's read a bit up and everyone's in their own kind of specialism. Not one of us can put our fingers on actually a very positive, clear direction of financial incentive. Um, so if we can't do it, the average person in their home is definitely not finding that on the internet. Mm -hmm. So that needs to change as well. There needs to be clear clarity and there needs to be a big improvement in an obvious scheme. This is what you sign up for and this is what happens. And the government can do it because they've just done it with ULES. ULES was a massive introduction and it's got its detractors and it's got its, its supporters, but it's made a huge change to how people drive in central London and there will be a benefit to clean air, whether it's right for, you know, uh, people working who've suffered over the last five years, that's not for today, but it can be done and, it, and, and with government backing and government support, any scheme will get traction. So it really does come back to gov central government to make sure that happens. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's a really good point because actually the when I try to do some research for today and you're putting in the various versions of kind of government greener grants or whatever you want to find on, on Google, so just, just take it from a kind of a, a normal person's perspective, I think out of the first 10 or 12 uh, resources shown on there, many of them government-based websites, they were for the, the grant or the loan that actually expired last year. Yeah. 
so you can find old information easily. You know, it took you two and a half pages to get to the point where it told you about the the change in the grant for the heat pump to, to seven and a half. I just wanted to check. There was no kind of caveat to that. And there is a little bit of caveat to it. There is a bit more information to it. It's not a flat seven and a half. So finding the information is really, really difficult, mm -hmm. even when you're trying to research it. The, 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 the concept of the car, the electric car, people are buying into that because the benefit is immediate. So when you're looking at a tank of petrol, probably 60, 70 pound, perhaps 80 pound for what you put in as 10 pound, mm -hmm. people see the value immediately. You know, cars of circa 40, 50,000 pound is not uncommon these days. When these cars first came out a few years back, and I'm, I've had um, electric car for nearly four years, they, they were a premium. You paid extra to have that benefit, but the benefit was going to catch up. Now, if you look at a cost of a typical family car, brand new, they're all broadly in the same range. But the lack of servicing requirements, the lack of moving parts, so you haven't got to hopefully worry too much about you know, the, the, the equivalent of engines breaking down and servicing costs and that immediate value of 40, 50 pounds saving per week per tank means it, it's, it's attractive. From a financial perspective, it works. You don't have that as a parallel universe with the green ticket for a, for a property. 34 years or you know, six weeks perhaps on a, on a on an electric car. But yeah, it's way, way too far away. You're either incentivized by making it very, very affordable for everyone, um, or we have to look at a different model about where where you price that within a house and how you then sell that on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, I think I think the the car is a really good example of how it can work properly, but we just don't have have that replicated in the property side of things. Yeah. And Andreas has already alluded to earlier that the price of green technology, you know, could drop pretty fast. But just one more question, plain devil's advocate. Is there any risk that if you invest in solar, say solar technology now, um, or any big kind of technolo te technological investment, that it develops so quickly that the stuff that you've got on your roof becomes obsolete? Mm. Good question. And uh, I think the simple answer to that is probably yes. Um, I mean, you've probably only got to look at the last 100 years and the advances in technology, not only in medical science, but landing on the moon and where we are at the moment. I think um, you're quite right. I think it needs to be cost-effective for clients. Clients need to see real benefits in any changes uh, to their homes, especially if they're making any upgrades or greener initiatives. Um, the government has to put some sort of bid in place to, and regulation, certainly for new builds, that it has to reach a, a certain, you know, kite mark or, or level so that the, their green initiative is stamp marked. Um, and I think for existing homes as well, I think, you know, we've, we've still got a lot of properties out there that we can't change to that extent. Um, there's lots of listed buildings out there that you're very, you know, you're restricted to, to what you can physically do to these properties. Um, you know, there, there needs to be some sort of level of mechanism in place, you know, whether it's some sort of additional funding. Um, I think technology as it grows will probably take on board some of these older properties, but they're not going away. Mm. Um, newer build properties, if they become more efficient, will become the norm. I understand that. And aging properties, 100 plus years old, um, will become the sort of postcard dream house that only the select few will be able to own. But 
you've only got to look at the properties in and around the London area. If you look at that as a populist, then, you know, there's so many upgrades that can't be done on these properties. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a big black hole that the government are kicking the can down the road. It really is. Um, and that needs some sort of clever thinking, really. Um, and, and it needs some help because at the moment, I think right from the start of this conversation, Justin alluded to, you know, the timing on this is just not, it's, you know, it's probably the cost of living crisis that everybody's experiencing in the UK. Um, having to bear these costs on top of that, people just won't do it. Mm-hmm. And that's the real issue at the moment. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. just on that question. So so going back to um, will people invest if they think it will be obsolete in, in, in the future, um, I, th- I think what needs to happen is that as soon as you allow innovation and as soon as, you, as soon as you allow the private sector to grow that part of the industry, you will solve all of those problems. I don't think we'll solve them just with the government giving people money. I think it needs to be tax incentives to help businesses grow. Um, you know, we can bring young people as they're coming through education, you know, they can see that as a viable career. And then from that point onwards, for example, solar panels, I would happily install solar panels because um, like Andrea said earlier, you have a cable coming up from the batteries right up to to the roof. You can change the solar panel at the roof level if they, if they improve and you can change the batteries. However, if you've just spent £10,000 on those panels and they improve three years later, which does happen, there's a very sharp curve when industries pick up on innovation and research and development, you know, you are going to be nervous of that. So it comes back to can you lease or can you? is there a resale market or is there a recycle market? Because additionally, the last thing we all want to be doing is throwing solar panels into a skip mm-hmm. in three years' time because we've saved the environment using them, but actually now they're obsolete. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there has to be a whole circular economy style um, investment to it, and that does come with incentivising growth of the private sector in that particular part mm-hmm. of the industry. Yeah, that seems like a, a very good place to stop. I'm afraid we've run out of time, but... Um, it looks like, it sounds like this place needs a lot of uh, innovation. The government needs to get um, its act together. Let's hope this is going to happen sooner rather than later. Um, thank you very much for um, for coming in and for um, joining us remotely. Um, and thank you for listening. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.